say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Awakening Code Radio. Mind-expanding, heart-opening, talking music to raise your vibration. Some people consider it the shifting of the ages. Others see it as a whole new paradigm for humanity. But whatever you want to call it, it's hard to deny that we are in a moment of immense change. A moment challenging us to wake up and live life more consciously. This is Eric Rankin. And I'm Michelle Anderson. And you're listening to Awakening Code Radio. Where the conversation is always about raising the vibration of love, compassion, happiness, forgiveness, stewardship, health, and peace. Thank you for joining the conversation. This is Deepak Chopra. Hi, I'm Marianne Williamson. Hi, this is Greg Braden. And you are listening to Awakening Code. Awakening Code. Awakening Code Radio.
Yes, you are, and we appreciate so much that you are listening, however you're listening in the podcast, or maybe you're live streaming right now with us. Hi, Michelle. There are a few people live streaming with us that are already calling in. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a busy day. It has, and this, coming into the studio during the day is a little bit different for us. Mm -hmm. We're we're pre-recording, we're live right now, but we're recording our podcast, and Today is Wacky Wednesday. We titled it that last week, and it seems to be <laughs> a theme going on with us that we are experiencing some But here we are. No, it's all we made good. it. Sure. We made it. Made it in the nick of time. I got here with a minute and 30 seconds to spare. Yeah, and I got here with two minutes to spare and set the alarm off. But you know what? This is the new now. The new normal is going with the flow, just, you know, pivoting wherever we need to pivot. It seems like that's my word of the day every day is pivot. Adaptability. Yes, absolutely. Adapting. And that is definitely, I think, going to be the the hallmark of our existence uh, in the next decades now is it's we're going to need to adapt, uh, reacting just out of knee-jerk you know, reactions is not going to surface because there's so much to react to. You turn on the news and you see something and it's just, it's like begging for you to have some sort of almost violent reaction, just like, that's not right, or they're wrong and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I've got it figured out and they don't, we we have to be a little more adaptive. You can, I, I believe that we can all live our truth as long as our truth uh, acknowledges that other people want to live in their truth. I think that's been a little bit of of the sticking point and the problem that we've been working through through all this, whether it's the COVID thing and it's now mask wearing has sort of become like a philosophical thing um, where people are choosing to or not to, but they're sort of projecting past it. And then the the Black Lives Matters movement stuff, There's everybody has an opinion, and that's great. We're all supposed to be forming opinions and doing research and, and thinking about this stuff. But when you stand in the place of, I've got it figured out, I'm, what I'm doing is correct, and everybody else, by inference, is wrong, 
that's not going to get anybody anywhere. We have to be a little more adaptive to what is happening to us in this new model of society. And we're doing our best. Yeah, I've had I've had many conversations with people who are feeling a little bit frustrated that there's there's so many different opinions going around on social media and it's in, it's inciting some anger and that has been the sad part of it. The part that I think fills us with hope and inspiration is when we see and we can catch ourselves being accepting that, that everybody's got an opinion wherever their consciousness is at is where it's at. And what I've been learning through this process is really taking a breath before having a conversation with anyone and knowing that we may not agree. Just yesterday, Admin Colleen and I were having a chat on the phone and we had differing opinions about a topic that, that was related to the situation we're in. And that's what I love about Colleen was she was saying, we have different opinions. We don't agree on this, but we still love each other and we respect each other and we see each other's point of view. And I thought, wow, this, this is movement in the right direction where we can actually dialogue, not be mad at each other, not want to unfriend each other, but hold each other in that space of, I see you, I feel you, I get you even if what you're saying isn't the same as what I'm feeling, it's all okay. Yeah, and when you said the word accepting, a listener, if you heard that is accepting, meaning you're supposed to accept what the other person believes, it does not. It just means accepting that that person, person has a different opinion than you have. Um, and we all have that. We know that. That should be the thing that we ex- expect out of all of this is that we all feel free enough in standing in our own sovereignty to be able to express our opinions. And it, whether people accept them or not is not necessarily the the end goal. It's to be accepted for having our opinions. And that is not hard for me, um, no matter what it is, whether political leanings or the, the COVID opinions or the Black Lives Matters things, or it, uh, the big thing now is uh, taking down historical monuments you know from it doesn't matter who it is thomas jefferson to you know confederate general grant and all these things and it's like are we just rewriting our own history i I will honor anybody's opinion whatever they have about that and i would expect that i have a differing opinion from a lot of people but that's what makes us unique and um, you know our show is all about going into the unknown and exploring just where we're at, what we're doing. I mean, the theme of the show has always been for the last eight years. Why are we here? Michael Tellinger says it so quickly. Why are we here? What are we, what are we doing? What is our true purpose? It is much more, I think, and I think we're just stepping in through the door of being exposed to the greater vision of what our experience is supposed to be on this planet. We are being rattled to the core of our belief systems, no matter what they are, if they're political beliefs, religious beliefs, Uh, consumerism beliefs, any of those are being shaken. And out of those, I think, will become a clearer vision of what it is we're really supposed to be. And I think it's simpler. I think it's more compassionate. It's more unified consciousness. All beautiful things. But it it seems like maybe this is the big shakeup that is needed to get us there. That's my hopeful take on it anyway. 
I like that you're always so hopeful. I, I'm usually hopeful. I've had my moments throughout these last three months, for sure. Mm-hmm. I've, uh, I, I watch things. I've watched my parents be very concerned. And they have not left the house. In mm-hmm. three months, they have not left their house. I take them all their stuff. They give me grocery lists and all these things. And I just try to imagine if you looked at nothing but the news every day, how unsettling that would be, un- how destabilizing, especially they're in their 80s. Mm-hmm. of kind of having this feeling like you knew what life was about, you know, the hard work and the payoff and the, you know, just it, it, life had a certain logic to it all the way through. And it feels like to them, everything that they thought they understood, like, is their money safe in a bank? Why did they maybe work so hard and do all this? Everything is being shaken up a bit for them or a lot. And I, uh, I, feel I like for what them. our Mayan daykeeper friend, Jose Munoz says, about these times, he, he says, change or be challenged. And when you really break that down, we are being tasked to change from an old system to a new system and to kind of change as far as being fluid with our belief systems, our openness about what we're taking in, what we're hearing, what we're feeling, how we're communicating with other people. You, like you said, Eric, if you're watching the news 24 um, 7, yeah, we definitely are. We definitely are at a, at a choice point right now. And I get inspired when I see so many people talking about doing inner work, really working on ourselves, working on where we still hold a lot of triggers or things that we haven't worked through from our childhood or what's, you know, anything that we're holding in our relationships, we may not have to agree with our partners, our children, our sisters, our brothers, our parents, but it doesn't mean that we have to break it down and cut everybody off. If we can really move through this in a peaceful way, you posted something, I think it was this week, Eric, it was a repost of an Aquarian thought for the day that I thought was so poignant Ten years ago. and even more <laughs> relevant today. Do you remember what it said? Um, it's something about being calm. Um, you know, we all have in that choice. In the face choice. of chaos. Yeah, and calm doesn't mean that everything around you falls in order. You mm-hmm. know, it's that you know that you can be calm when they don't. I don't know. I, I expressed it better 10 years ago, but it but it definitely, uh, maybe Colleen can find it and encapsulate it and put it on the page. It was very simple and short. Um, but, you know, if you were waiting for things to feel like they've lined up for you or for your town or family or country or anything, you're probably going to be waiting a long time. You could spend possibly your whole life waiting for that, for all the ducks to to get in a row and go, finally, now I can relax into my self and my story and and just be happy. And it's not going to work that way. And, and more and more is becoming apparent how much it's not going to work that way unless you do the inside work and stick to your principles, which we just talked about in the last couple of weeks, how important that is, that if the principles seem right to you, and I'm going to imagine that most people would choose high-minded principles to describe themselves. Yes, I'm kind, I'm loving, I'm forgiving, I'm generous, I you know, look after people. Those are the principles that are being challenged right now, and those are the times that you have to drop deeper into what it is you believe, even if logic would say, well, I can't, I'm not going to accept this and I'm not going to stand for that and I'm not going to let them do this. 
I can't tell you what all those externals are going to look like, but I can tell you that the power to be the principled person that you would like to claim yourself to be is always available to you. I don't know what triggers it for you, counting to 10, doing your meditation, your spirit work, listening to shows like this and others. There's lots of things, but whatever it is, the simple message of what you're trying to do is stay in alignment and act from the center of that principled human that you want to believe yourself to be. Like, be, be the person your dog thinks you are. I saw that as a Facebook meme. That's a great one. <laughs> Just happy you're, to you're, see you and you're happy to see them and, you know, un, almost unconditional love and not long memories about a punishment or pain and just, um, you know, that's that's a good one. Have you never heard that before? I think I have. Be yeah. the person your dog thinks you are. Very simple. And dogs really teach us a lot about unconditional love. I Look how accepting they are. In the moment they are. And they're in the moment. They they love, love, love. No matter what. They love their way through everything. And when it's their time to go, I don't think most dogs are afraid of leaving or most animals. They understand life and death at, at a very deep level, very intuitive level. One of the things that I am witnessing is how afraid of death a lot of people are. I had a conversation today with two different people about if it's my time to go, if I'm not going to stay here for the, I don't want to say the word that I use, but the blank storm, <laughs> you know, that if, if, if humanity or the collective consciousness decides that it's going to be a really wild ride. I, I likened it to being on a bucking bronco and I had one one hand in the air and one hand on the horn and it feels like we're being bucked around like mm -hmm. crazy. And and if it's if it's my time to go it, through this experience and not see it all the way through, I'm totally fine with that. And I think that you, you know we're just going to have to walk our way through it and be in the present with each moment as it comes because it seems like when you think you think, oh, good, okay, I got this. As soon as you feel that feeling or think that thought there's another curveball being thrown and you go, what? Are you kidding me? You know, I had that experience just yesterday with my mom at her assisted living and she's going through another compression fracture and in excruciating pain. And now they're going to test every single person at her facility. And I've heard from people that have been tested for this virus that it's, it's a very painful test. And that they, you know, put the swab really far back up in your nose. And I said, my mom's little body can't handle that right now. She couldn't, she would seize, her back could crunch. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't happy that I didn't have a choice. You know, yes, you could say no, but she'll be treated as if she had the virus if you say no to mm -hmm. her getting tested. So I had to acquiesce and they promised they weren't going to do it the forceful way. They were going to do it very gently. And she got through it. Thank God. But I, I felt anger rise. I did. I have to admit, I could feel myself being frustrated, disappointed. I felt all those lower vibrational feelings in the moment and then had to course correct. Okay, well, this is where we're at and this is how we're going to handle it. A lot of that going on. I have somehow, I have masks everywhere because of COVID. I have masks. It feels like in all my car, all my cars. I have a, a few cars, um, not enough to say all my cars. Um, and where I live and everything else. And yet anywhere I go, it feels like I don't have the mask. And I'm just like, Dum! and, the, you know, we're, 
uh, Orange County, where we live, Southern California, it is not required that you have to wear a mask, but um, many businesses still have the requirement. Grocery stores or just went to a fast food place here and you can't get in without a mask. And I couldn't find one. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, I know I've got so many. And it just triggers you. It does. It sort of triggers a frustration response and a, I, I don't know, all the things, all the things that the COVID conversation has triggered, I'm sure, in everyone. What, how much, this is going to be the real interesting, you know, in all of it, this is going to be the really interesting arc of the story is this coming month, because we have seen people, one, the restrictions have gone off many states um, to virtually none. A lot of people are gathering. The protests showed thousands of people all together, and we're seeing these initial reports like, oh, after this weekend of the protests, we've got this many new cases. It will be very interesting to see in the coming month, 30 days, 60 days, with COVID still around, and if we're not practicing you know, radical social distancing and self-quarantining and mask wearing, what does that look like in statistics whether contact or, of course, the most important one, death. Um, and if there aren't a lot of deaths, there's, that's going to trigger a whole new wave of uh, anger and confusion. It's like, really? We, we shut ourselves in for nearly three months um, and didn't have the, the numbers, and it doesn't look like the numbers are going to be that different? We don't know. So I've, I've been fine with erring on the side of caution, but it will be very interesting what transpires 30 days from a month from today. And there's definitely going to be a lot of different viewpoints. There you, will be. You see a lot, thousands and thousands of doctors saying, you know, they're not experiencing certain things that we're witnessing on the news or hearing about in mm. mainstream media. My brother-in-law, Brad, just wrote in and asked, what is a dog telling you when he, I'm not going to use the word he said, but poops in the house. <laughs> what is the dog telling you? Brad, that is so your sense of humor. He's telling you you're not paying enough attention to him. That's what I would him. say. I would say that he, the dog does not, because there's an old colloquialism that you don't poop in your own backyard, and animals know this. If you let a dog run free, I was just out in um, Mount Shasta, and there was a, a group of people we were visiting, and they had three big dogs. Those dogs, you had no idea where they were pooping, because <laughs> they were all running free for a week. Mm -hmm. There was no poop anywhere close by in the camp. So the idea of they know where camp is, where their pack is hanging out, and they're not going to poop in that place. So I would say maybe the dog doesn't feel like he knows where the pack resides. And if it doesn't matter, poop in the house, poop out of the house, just poop wherever you want. So there you go. <laughs> there you go, Brad. That's, that's the answer. Dog, that's the dog whispered. Glad, glad to know you're listening live, Brad Anderson from, from Louisiana. Mm. And shout out to Lori Taylor. She's writing in. Victoria McBain has written in and requested a song. Thank you to all of you listening to us live. We always think we're just recording and no one's listening live, but it sounds like people are. Yeah, great. Well, I think we're ready to break for a song because I told Craig Campabasso, our guest who's coming on, I told him we would be calling him at our song break around this time. Okay. So I'm... Um, I'm going to play the song that I just felt was so appropriate. We did not play it on the last show we did with Craig. And I think you'll know why I'm playing it. Okay, so here we go. This is Starman by David Bowie. Hey, 
Indeed you are. Thank you so much for tuning in to Awakening Code Radio. If you're not familiar with our show, maybe you just happen to be vacationing down here in Laguna Beach uh, on FM 104.7 KXFM. You can find our show very easily. Just Google search Awakening Code Radio, if nothing else. Or you can go through the station here. Or you can um, find us on any podcast platform. And we just appreciate all of you listening. There is a fan tribe page on Facebook where listeners and friends and fans and family just share their ideas. Or you can like us on Facebook, our own page, Awakening Code Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Eric. And right next to me, Michelle Anderson, 
and we have our guest. I can hear I can hear static on the phone, so I know he's there. Are you there, Craig? <laughs> I am here. How are you guys? Really good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Craig, I, I have to let you know that while I was driving in, I was listening to the last show we did with you in December of 2018. We we titled oh that show, What ETs Really Want Us to Know. And I didn't get through the whole two hours. I got through maybe an hour and something. But I was fascinated and riveted with everything you shared in that show. <laughs> And I remember, I at probably towards the end of the show, I remember saying, we have to get you back on again because we did not cover everything. But we, co- uh. we covered a lot about the Integratron. We covered a lot about A Stranger in the Pentagon with Valiant Thor and your movie short that you did. We, we covered a little bit about some of your books. You've now written, are you, are you is this new book we're going to talk about your fifth book that you've written? It's, uh, it will be, yes, that will be the fifth book. And then I have the sixth book might be released before this book. So the, the new book, the, uh, extraterrestrial species almanac is going to be released on January 1st, 2021. And then, um, 25 years ago, I cast, a film called The Silence of the Hands, <laughs> which was a, a, a spoof movie on Psycho and The Silence of the Lamp. And then they took stuff from other horror films and things. And I hired like every comedic genius on the face of the planet from, you know, um, uh, Phyllis Diller to Mel Brooks to Larry Storch, um, Joanna Bakula, Billy Zane, and uh, it's it's a list a mile long, and it's the 25th anniversary, and they're re-releasing it on Blu-ray. <laughs> so they uh, so what we did was is we uh, the company that's releasing it, uh, me, Billy Zane, Charlene Tilton. And our writer, producer, director, and star, Ezio Greggio, who is a big star in Italy. And um, he, uh, so we all did that, and we did the commentary for the film. And I thought, you know, it was one of the movies, it was before cell phones, and it was one of the movies because there were so many stars involved, I took a million photographs. So I have like one more day of completion on the uh, pictorial memories of a casting director, casting the greatest comedians of all time. Dom DeLuise is in it as well. Wow. He played the Hannibal Lecter part. Um, you can only imagine. <laughs> oh my gosh. You, you, are, so, you are so in in the Hollywood scene. You are like oh the man God. that's totally infused. So in. much fun. It's been your whole so life, hasn't it? My whole life. And it's, uh, so anyway, I thought, you know, it's a cult classic in Europe. Like, Europe goes crazy for this movie. So anyway, so, uh, uh, my lip, my literary agents, um, said, you know, let's do a book. So we're almost done. It's going to be released and then they're going to sell the rights off in Europe and all of that. And, uh, you know, so that'll be fun. So that might get released before uh, 
the E.T. Almanac, and then I just got hired um, from the publisher of E.T. Almanac to write another book on UFOs. <laughs> wow. So, um, and this one's very cool and different and fun, so... Um, but I can't really talk about it yet, but hopefully soon. So, so yeah, so I'm always writing. I love it. Good for you. And you, yeah, I know based on our last conversation with you and some of the books that you've written about, when you talk about Earthman and you talk about Theron and the experiences of a dualistic universe and getting us to the I am presence and source source intelligence and you know christ consciousness it just seems so fitting that we're having you on now during this time with all that you've written about and and all that you've experienced i i was i thought it fascinating while i was listening to that last show and you talked about the time where there were so many sightings of craft and UFOs at a certain period in time when George Van Tassel was contacted by Solganda. Yes. And you talked about it as being because of what we were doing with, you know, the atomic bomb and nuclear energy and how that not only affects our planet, but how it affects the universe by what we're yeah. by what we're doing here on earth and i'm curious right. I, I eric always takes me back and and i've noticed this that when eric and i do a show i jump right in and eric goes wait a minute back up let's set this up you oh, know? I want to ask some question. He, he likes to set it up he does like to set it up for listeners who may be new to some of this some of the languaging i mean a lot of people don't even know who valiant thor was this this Right, that, you know this being that came from Venus that looked like a Hollywood hunk, um, and I if if our listeners want to learn more about a stranger in the Pentagon, the movie you did, um, yeah, the short, I invite them to go back and look at it, listen to that episode. What ETs really want us to know from December of 2018, because. You cover a lot of it there, but I want to. I really want to be more relevant to what you're working on now and why it's so yes. important. And I'm sure you have a lot of messages about that. Would you Would you agree well, with, with that? Yes, I absolutely would. But people can they can go watch the short film and learn more about Valiant Thor at StrangerAtThePentagon.com. So, um, but it it sort of brings us up to. Um, you know, the uh, the current uh, thing that I'm working on, which is an almanac of 82 extraterrestrial species um, that have either visited Earth in the past, are visiting Earth, uh, some that are, that are here and that are living on the planet, some that are intermingling with... Um, uh, in all different societies, and um, and a lot of these things um, are uh, like there were certain stories that I always resonated to, and um, so I actually contacted the publishers of those books and asked them if I could, you know, use that story because these are like old, forgotten books. 
that were done in like the, uh, some 50s, some 60s, some 70s, people today wouldn't even know about these stories, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And remember, back in those early days, there were a lot of human extraterrestrial species coming to Earth because of, uh, you know, because of the atomic and, and trying to uh, warn everyone. Um, and, you know, they did meet a lot of them. Um, interestingly enough, even in the source material of about maybe three or four of those books, um, they had approached different governments and were all turned down. Um, there was even a race that came to warn our government about the graves and not to get involved with them, but they said no. So, um, and it, you know, there's just, there's so much when you sort sort of get into all of the different stories and people who are having contact from these different kinds of beings from all over the place um, that you, you start to piece the puzzle together. And the one thing that I think people will understand more is the universe is a hybridized universe filled with an abundance of different kinds of beings. So the Alpha Centaurans say that there are 1,019,000 civilization races throughout the universe, right? Wow. To me, that even sounds small. Knowing, you know, thinking about how big the universe is. So... You know, so there's all the all this different information that um, you know that kind of comes through. I, as you know, I mean, I, um, you know, I've been into this since I was 26. I had a major spiritual awakening, um, actually, with beings from the Great I Am, and so that's why those teachings are prevalent in a lot of the writing. Um, I was, uh, Michelle, I'm just going to tell this story really quick because I know I told you the other day when we were talking, but mm-hmm. um, I found out when I was 12 years old that I had a biological father and that my stepfather was my stepfather. And, um, and it didn't change any of the dynamics at all because I loved him and I loved my mom. And, but my mom really, uh, something happened between her and my biological father and um, she closed the door on that chapter, and she didn't know anything about where he was except the name. I tried Googling his name throughout the years. I tried everything. Nothing would come up, um, or I would find people with the name, and, and they, you know, it wasn't him. Anyway, long story short, about a year ago, a genealogist contacted me. She said she was my fifth cousin on my mother's father's side and wanted some information. So I gave it to her, and I said, hey, could you find my biological father? And she goes, I can find anybody. So I gave her what information I had, and about six months later, she um, sent me an email, and she said, well, I found him, and uh, he passed away in 2006. And he's buried at Forest Lawn. 
right? Which is across from Warner Brothers. Mm -hmm. So I ran down the next morning to Forest Lawn, went to the front desk, and I said, when this man, Frederick Warner Vero, passed away, did do you have record of the person that called? And they looked it up and they said, yes, we have a name. And I said, great, could I have that name? Do you have a phone number? No, we don't. So I came home. I went and I went and I visited his crypt and uh, all of that. And um, I came home. I looked up the guy's name on the computer. And um, it was a 74-year-old man who lived right around the corner from me. Oh, my gosh. So I wrote him a letter. And two days later, I got a, um, I got a uh, phone call from his son. And his son uh, said, well, my father got your letter. And I said, oh, was your father a friend of uh, Fred Vero's? And he said, no, actually, it's his half-brother. So this and became went, oh, so your uncle. Uh, right. And I said, so you're my cousin. And he goes, yeah. He goes, but you know, if you didn't put the picture in there, we would have thought this was weird. You are a dead ringer for your father. And I said, I've never seen a picture of my father. Right. Mm -hmm. So then I spoke to my uncle and then we all met for dinner. And in my wildest dreams, I could not have imagined what words were going to come out of my uncle's mouth. He's telling me, he says, you know, your father uh, wanted out of the house. He joined the air guard. Our mother had to sign a piece of paper. He went right into the Air Force when he was 18. And, oh, by the way, he was in that Project Blue Book. That, that mic, went, mic drop I, for you. because that's... I, uh, Yeah, and I went, what? And I go, do you know what that is? And he goes, yeah, kind of. And I said, did he ever say what he did? And he goes, no. He says, you know, he has three sons, uh, three cousins. And he said they tried to get it out of them throughout the years, and he wouldn't talk, right? So anyway, and what's even stranger is I did the math. He's in Project Blue Book at the exact same time Valiant Thor's at the Pentagon. Wow. Wow. Right? These are so like, like this, cookie crumbs that have been left for you like, to re rediscover. Like, Exactly. And then I said, and then they said, you know, then he wanted out of the Air Force. And then he came back to California. He met my mom. Uh, she became pregnant with me. And then I guess a few years later, he remarried. And he <laughs> then got in the film business and was the head of construction at Warner Brothers for many years. Oh, my God. And, and I'm he, like, and this he, is so weird. It, it's it, our life's a mirror. That's yeah. right. It brought you back to yeah. our for our listeners who don't know your history. You've worked on many films with Warner Brothers, haven't you? Because you're a casting director. Well, I've worked on many films and they're for many different studios. But I, I could have been working at Universal at the same time he was working at Warner Brothers. Because wow. I, I was on the lot at Universal for maybe on and off, maybe five years. So, uh, like, literally that close. Um, and by the way, where I live, 
I found out that him and his wife lived out here near me. I, I could have been in the same restaurant as them and would have never known. Hmm. So, um, and then my uncle, you know, lives around the corner. Love my new uncle. What an amazing guy. So, That's so uh, great. And I, like I said the other day on the phone when you told me part of this story is that I see a movie coming out of that because <laughs> there's, there's so many synchronicities that are coming forward for us to explore. And a lot of them lead us to our galactic family to why, why are we so curious about them? Why are they here? What is our role with them? What are we supposed to be doing while we are, while we're wearing this human skin, being a human being on earth? What's the whole point to it all? And it, it feels like that story brought you even closer into the knowing of why your experiences have happened and why you've, chosen to write the books that you've written and and i i'm really curious about what you do know about it doesn't sound like you know about all one million nineteen civilization races but it sounds like you've done a lot of research well i i have done a lot of research because when i had the spiritual awakening um at one point um after uh a lot of intense spiritual work that was brought on uh, by the awakening, by the way. Um, at, at one point, what they did was is they, um, they worked on my astral body and they released it so it was no longer earthbound. So I started traveling at night to other worlds and I was seeing these other beings and seeing what they were doing or I'd be sitting talking on a stage in front of a, a, a bunch of different looking beings um, and telling them about my life on earth, right? Like they were extremely fascinated with it. Um, or I would travel the world and I would observe and that kind of thing. And then the most curious thing happened after that is I started astral traveling while I was awake. So I was able to be here and there and seeing things that were happening and all of that. At that point, I had to buy a bunch of hematite stones and keep them in my pockets because... um I was very, uh, like I could, like my, feeling my spirit floating out of my body so much at that, at that stage of the game. Um, but I did a lot of meditation and, and, uh, you know, it's sort of, I call it the mind, the cosmic mind internet that when you go on and you go deep, that these beings will come and you will, connect with them. Sometimes it's a smile. Sometimes it's, it's a expression or a saying, or it's, you know, keep on your, uh, you know, keep on your great journey. We're with you or little simple things like that. Or if it was something that I was researching for a book, I could go in and also see. So, um, so do you, you have know, a favorite I mean, were, race? Do you have a, a favorite group that you resonate more with? Or have you met groups that weren't so benevolent and groups that are benevolent? Or how does that all work? Yes. 
It does. Um, in the beginning, I did. Um, uh, I didn't go to them. They were coming to me. Um, some of the uh, malevolent races. Um, and really what you have to do is uh, you have to just sort of learn to put your guard up and your shields up and to um, really take care of your mind, body, and soul. And when you do that, then they they can't actually enter your thoughts or things like that because they're, you know, what they try and do, especially the star seeds and star seeds who write books, by the way, mm-hmm. um, is they try and get in there and they try and create fear and they try and intimidate so that you won't do it. Right. How, they're even can you feel, can with, you feel that there's a malevolence oh, about I them? them? I will, I will wake up and before I open my eyes, they're right there in my thoughts. I can see where they're standing, right? And I can feel the hatred and everything that is being directed at me, right? So they they do it through a mind hypnosis or a mind, you know, they jump this negative stuff and they throw it in your aura. They throw it in your mind thought. And... Um, and people who don't understand that and how to get rid of it, then it stays with them. And in, in, in them uh, uh, repeating it over and over and over and over again, those people end up becoming severely depressed. Mm. And this is what happens to a lot of starseeds, right? So they start smoking, they start drinking, and that's what they want them to do because then they get off track of raising consciousness. So, but the Galactic Alignment has other ways of combating that as well because there are um, uh, health care uh, healers is uh, what they call them that will bring star seeds up and help to remove these things and then start to teach them um, how to rid themselves of it. So, um, but I, you know, there's, there are star families that are here on earth that are, that are um, star seeds and that these negative things are even going to their children now because these kids that are coming in are uber, uber bright. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and throughout the years, you know, once a star seed raises its consciousness and they have a child and that child gets that consciousness and they go up, they go up more steps and they marry another one. And then when a star seed marries a star seed and their consciousness is quite big, they can bring in a stronger soul who has more cosmic consciousness right to get towards out of to leap out of duality quicker so um so they attack those really old souls to try and get them uh into a fear-based stage um they start them even at age four i've just worked with um one family uh that they were attacking a four-year-old boy so you're ta- yeah. you're you're mainly talking about different interactions with 
malevolent beings and I like to I like to get people in the mindset that there's there's also very benevolent races out there. There's way more benevolent races than there are the bad guys, mm-hmm. just so you know. But the thing is, is that there are the bad guys. And, you know, when things come up, you have to learn how to, um, you know, how to protect yourself in this weird, otherworldly psychic warfare. How would you, so, how, um, how would you yeah. describe the bad guy agenda? What is what is the end game of anything that they're doing of taking over or controlling our thoughts or our minds or our bodies or something? What is to what end? Well, the end game is star seeds uh, come in through a program that is it's called um, uh, the Melchizedek Star Seed Program. So it comes out of Melchizedek, which is. Uh, the universe's spiritual university. It's in the Mira system, and it's 490 planets that are university planets. So all beings will always pass through when they're going from world to world to see what they want to learn next and then what world they want to go to as they keep ascending, correct? So when we ascend off this planet, we go back to Melchizedek, and then we see where we're going to be put and go from there, or if we have to come back and do more Earth-like times, or you can work out whatever you have to do on the other side as well. So, um, but the the agenda is, is the program is designed for fully conscious beings who shave off a portion of their soul. And they are brought there. That soul is brought here to incarnate. So that soul will quicken itself a lot faster to become fully conscious. They will become spiritually able at a very young age, right? Like now, the kids are like ama- like amazing the kids that are coming in now they're speaking star languages and they're they're drawing star maps and they're uh you know they're like these amazing brainiacs so, I, I know mary rodwell uh, has interviewed a lot of those children right <clears throat> yes yes mm-hmm. and i've met some of them myself i mean i've met one that builds crystal grids so you know? these these so the let's call them grays just to encapsulate and make it small let's just pick one one group you you would call grays. Why do they do they want to eradicate anybody that has this collective unified awareness? Do they feel like it's a Star Wars type battle of the forces of, on the light and dark side of the force? I mean, what what is the final final strategy of why they would take over people or disrupt life happening? On well, the, the 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 we'll say extraterrestrial enthusiasts say <laughs> instead of ancient alien theorists say right? <laughs> um, that the reptiles, the draconians and the greys who are in together, right? What they do is then they come in when, when Melchizedek is trying to raise consciousness on a planet, they come in and try and dumb the planet down. 
So what they're so what they do is they try and disrupt the elevating thought of starseeds. Because if they can keep the consciousness down, then they can maintain a secret control over the planet. And when, right? why do they want to do that? Because what they do is then they own everything on that planet. So it's like them. a cosmic monopoly game is that it is. I, I've got it planet is. Earth and you can't do anything on it because we have control of that. We have, well, we have control of it, but we have control of its resources. We have control of, you know, all, uh, all the things and we have control of the people. Right. So, um, I mean, there's so many, you know, and again, these are all, these are all hypothesized theories that are out there. Right. But I think it's good to discuss them because, one never really knows. And the more awake you become, the more questions you have. And you just want to, you know, you want to try and understand the whole picture. So when people always say to me, you know, what can I do? I say, you just work on yourself spiritually to raise up. That's the best thing that you can do on the planet. That's what you came here for. We were That's ju- what we I were came just talking about that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We were just yeah. talking about how yeah. peace comes from within and, and it's up to each one of us to work through right. our stuff. Not right. not stuff That's it right. down, but right now it's all in our face. All of our triggers, it our is. fears, our yeah. all all those little isms that we come with as human beings and with a personality and all of our experiences, we're, we're finding, wow, here it is. What do I do with it? And it's, it's really, right. it's time to go deep within ourselves and really work through our, our major triggers and, and the darkness that resides in all those little crevices from our unhealed childhood wounds. That's right. You know, our mommy-daddy issues, our, you know, whatever issues we've had as children that are in our face to actually confront it embrace it and heal right and you know when you actually sit down and you start to understand the big picture and you look at duality i gotta tell you something before i was awake i i wouldn't even i couldn't even tell you what duality was right Mm -hmm. the you know we are we are a species in this dualistic nature that is run on emotion. So it's a cause and effect. Something happens, we react. You hurt me, I hurt you. You hurt me back, I hurt you harder. And then somewhere the soul hopefully will start to understand, okay, well, this has to stop somewhere. And then you start to think, all right, well... I can think a thought if I'm mad at somebody and then I can think on that thought of what I want to do about it, positive or negatively. And then I have the choice to create that action positively or negatively. And then I'm responsible for that outcome. 
And when the soul understands that is when spirituality within them begins, because then they know that, okay, I, I don't have to be the bigger person. I'm not the bigger person. I just want peace for me. And I'm going to embrace that, and I'm going to work through my issues. If I have any karmic things of people I've hurt, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make do on that. And I'm going to do things to better myself spiritually and start working on myself and start to understand a lot of, you know, the real great spiritual master's teachings. Are you opening a Melchizedek school at any point? I mean, it's in your books, but you sound like... It is. Yeah, you sound like you have a plethora of teachings that you've been... That you've been given through this awakening process. And one thing, Craig, I'd like our listeners to know, uh, Eric and I have been talking about this a lot lately, is that... Our last show we did was on this process of awakening and the 10 steps to awakening. And I think it's so important that everybody understand when we talk about this awakening process, or if I talk about it with me, I don't feel I'm complete through it. I don't feel like, okay, I'm so enlightened and I'm so awake that, you know, that I'm saying you're not and I am. I'm on the journey and I think right. we're all on that journey where life is giving us opportunities to expand our awareness, expand our consciousness, understand what discernment feels like, understand that we we have an intuition that's built into this human body that tells us when something feels right, when something feels wrong, you know, we, we, can, right. we can feel it. And sometimes we, we haven't been exercising it, you know, our whole lives. And hopefully when we stumble upon these kinds of conversations or people like you or read your books or any of, there's so many books out there now about this topic the topic of right. awakening, the topic of, of uh, Christed consciousness or a higher consciousness or this galactic perspective, that all of these things are pointing us in the direction that it's time for us to, I, I don't know any other term to use other than wake up. There is a reason well, why we're on is. earth. It is. And, and by the way, you know, what interesting is a lot of uh, a lot of people think you know oh this is so this is all new agey and this is this this is not new agey and by the way you know and when people hear the word christ if they're not christian or of that belief they automatically shut down right. and and you know and i always say you have to remember that um that before Christ came to earth, the universe was teeming with Christ, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? Like all the beings are Christ. They're all fully conscious. If you, you know, or they're Buddhaic, they have Buddhaic consciousness, or they have Muhammad consciousness. It's all the same, no matter what you want to call it. You know, so it's, 
um, you know, if you just want to call it universal consciousness, you know, the clarion beings are, to me, they're, I, I just get the chills when I think about them because they, they talk about the universe in the most beautiful way, you know. Um, they, you know, they talk about, uh, you know, that the universe is their cathedral and that the celestial weavers weave their, weave fades and, and, that it's the invisible architect and, you know, and not only do they have access to the physical universe, but they also have access to the uh, inner universe, the non-physical universe, and that's usually what all of them use to travel in their craft because they can bend time that way. Right. Yeah, and they don't. Of, they don't use know, gasoline. <laughs> no, no gasoline. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, but you know, this it, is this it's is amazing. It's fascinating stuff, Craig. And we are going to. We have to stop and take a, a song break here. And um, if you'll stay with us, we'll come back after this song. And I'm going to be playing a song that listener Victoria McBain sent to me right when we went on the air. She felt it was appropriate for these times. This is Resilient by Rising Appalachia. And we'll be right back. Thank you for listening to Awakening Code Radio. Trust the movement, I negate the chaos, uplift the negative, I'll show up at the table again and again and again, I'll close my mouth and learn to listen, So let's go and try our luck, say I've got my roots. 
Indeed you are, and thank you so much for tuning in to Awakening Code Radio. We're having a conversation that in some form, it seems like about every fourth show, we can't help but talk about extraterrestrials or multidimensional beings or (laughs) have they been in our past? Are they in our future? Are they here with us now? It's interesting. um, I've seen a Facebook meme circulating a lot and i don't know if it's from nasa or some research facility that's not just somebody talking out of you know their hat says that there could very likely be 36 intelligent life forms in our galaxy in the milky way galaxy and how they came up with 36 i have no idea other than it's probably planets that look similar to ours you know we're constantly making ourselves the center of our own universe and Life, like if you ever watched Star Trek, the original series, or any of them, they all were very humanoid and all magically somehow spoke English uh, with different faces <laughs> and, and clothes, but were very human centric. So we look at other planets and go, well, that one's about as far away from their star as we are from ours. And it looks like they have an atmosphere and all these things. But life could be so many other forms. But I think it's very cool just to talk about extraterrestrials in a mainstream conversation. <laughs> You go back 30, 40 years ago, you're talking about very fringe conversations. There would be people that would, you know, put on their tinfoil hats and talk about this. And now it is, NASA has come out and just said it's not a matter of if, but when we encounter uh, proof of life on another planet. And it could be microbial. It could be something small. They're just talking about proof of life somehow that existed uh, or exists on another planet, and that's pretty exciting. The moment that that happens will be quite the shakeup, you know. For, Eric, for somebody's us. trying to call Eric. Right I know. Now. How'd you like my ringtone, my new phone? <laughs> well, that was spacey, wasn't it? I, I, it was perfect. I want to ask a question of Craig, though. I Craig, when I told a few of my friends we were doing this show with you, and especially yeah. when I when we see the cover of this new book that's coming out. Right. When you and I were talking on the phone with Maura Hoffman the other day, she, uh, you said, hey, I'm going to send you the, a copy of the cover. And 
we all went, wow, okay. And you said, I know, I was thinking maybe they would put some gorgeous Pleiadian face on there. And instead they chose to put a female reptilian. And I'm a little bit curious about that. But the question my one girlfriend had is, what type of extraterrestrial lives on Sirius A? Very serious. Well, I have three different. Uh, there's, uh, I don't know specifically on Sirius A because uh, the beings that I'm talking about in the book are Sirius and Sirius B. Mm-hmm. So I've not heard of any beings on Sirius A. Well, what if, what if um, Sirius is, if there's a Sirius B, I like how my friend Matisha well, says, or Sirius, Sirius Lee. A, of course. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <If> <laughs> are you from Sirius A or Sirius B or Sirius Lee? B, I'm sure. Well, that's a really good question. I, I'd have to find that out, but... The, um, you know, uh, I go into the humans, and then there are two other races that are really higher dimensionals. Uh, some are, one, one race is so up there, they've, they're already beyond um, physical form. So... The the actual artwork that is done for them is if they were to present themselves, this would be this is what they would look like to us. Are you talking about beings on Sirius? Yes. Yeah. In the Sirius system. But they're they're very much ascended very high up into the other realms. But these beings are stepping down their consciousness to come through down through the dimensions into the third dimension to help us get up into the fourth and fifth by raising consciousness as well. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's amazing. There's, there's a whole gamut of, uh, you know, we go into grays, um, data humans, which are, they look like grays, but they're not, scary and they're benevolent mm-hmm. um, and uh, and very joyful, by the way. And um, uh, reptilians of all different kinds of classes, uh, good and bad, humans, good and bad, and, um, uh, and hybrids, which is uh, very, very interesting. And some of the uh, cases um, of some of the uh, uh, books that were based on contactee cases. Um, the beings there were more animal. They were humanoid, but animal and very intelligent. So, and their communities and things like that were, you know, uh, it's amazing to just see how they function, you know, like uh, the Yargas function in communal groups. They prefer to be communal and always together and never alone. I've never heard that term, the Yargas? Yeah, Yargas, yeah, it's I-A-R-G-A. And how did you you you, you learn about... The Yargas. Oh, I read the book about the Yargas like many, many years ago. I have like one of, you know, 
I used to, when the Bodie tree was open, mm-hmm. I would find all these great eccentric books. And um, so I was able to obtain some of my favorite cases for this book, um, including all the races that uh, I've been in contact with and um, and channeled races and uh, things like that. We even... Um, we even go to uh, the Telosians, uh under uh, uh, b- beneath Earth here, and also the uh, city below Mount Shasta, mm-hmm. and um, all of that. And you know what's interesting is, of course, the city below Mount Shasta is Telos. is pres- mm-hmm. is presided oh. over a. Uh, are you there? Yeah. yeah, I thought it was Telos that was... He, he said the Telosians. The, oh, he said mm-hmm. the Telosians. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, it is Telos. But as a group there, the Telosians. I see. So, um, but, uh, you know, one, their uh, their teacher, their master teacher is uh, Adama, who's a high priest from Melchizedek. So, you know, the Melchizedek teachings are here on Earth. They are down there with them. And when, when this whole planet starts to embrace becoming fully conscious, they will start to come up and they will allow people to start to go down and everyone will start to intermingle. The same with the races up there coming here. Some of us want to go out there and learn a little bit. We can. And and that's how the whole uh, program of friendship and brotherhood will um, will ignite in these small segments at first, and then the entire library down there. Um, oh God, I can't remember the whole name of it. Pythagoras or something. I think Nikos is in charge of it, and um, it's sort of like a mini Akashic Records. So uh, you know what's going to be really interesting is when the world changes over and we go into the the spirit of light and into uh, shifting into the next fourth dimension is we will have access to the living library of Akasha and all of history that was rewritten because you know, we will find out what the true history of Earth is, including all the extraterrestrial beings who came here before, seated, left, came back, this and that. So um, some of the races actually talk about that. Have in, you had contact uh, the with, the, Almanac. with the praying mantis races? Do you talk about them in the E.T. Almanac? I do. Yes, I do. I had one experience uh, with them. And um, they are a um, they are a mysterious bunch, but I was very lucky, um, you know, uh, because I I know so many people in this field. I actually know a woman who's a mantis hybrid. And and how did so, you how did you come to know her? And how don't, don't she- have sex with her. <laughs> She'll, she'll, chop, she'll chop your head off. <laughs> she'll eat your head. She'll eat your head. Yeah. That's what they do, yeah. <laughs> she'll eat it. Yes. <laughs> Those babies need protein. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, you know, I probably met her like at a UFO convention or something, and I just hit it off with her. It's really strange. I like without knowing it at first, I gravitate to hybrids. Mm-hmm. I've been really good friends with a lot of hybrids on the planet. Um, as you know, I was good friends with Cynthia Crawford, who passed away. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so when I met her, I didn't know that she was. And I found out about that within the last couple of years. And so um, I actually interviewed her uh, about the Mantis race for the book. And uh, what's really great is um, the book is sort of like a thumbnail thing about each species. And then there will be a section where we will give you the tools to go and research it further. So you'll be able to go and research her and the Mantis people. And she also speaks the language of the light. So you can go and, uh, you know, uh, go to her website and check that out. All these amazing older books uh, will tell you where to go, uh, what the names of the books are, and, you know, how you can get them and uh, all of that so so uh you know so you can go and study further about various different races and things like that i i find that since we've been going to these different you know contact in the desert and all the the star knowledge conferences and the the different people that i meet it's it's becoming more and more apparent to me that many people walking the earth are starting to remember past their earthly incarnation and remember their root race and it's being talked about more and more at these types of conferences and i not too long ago last year in september i hosted a a woman named mahalia she was on our show mahalia mermaid mahalia and she talks about being Lyran. And another one of my friends that's been on this show, uh, Kat Johnson, she said, I recently found out I was from Lyra. And now all of a sudden you're introducing me to somebody who can make it all make sense to me. And I don't know that much about all of this stuff, Craig. Every time I talk to you, right. my brain starts going, oh, my gosh. Like, <laughs> there's so much I don't know. And But I want to oh, be no. that voice of curiosity because so many people who listen to our show are curious and they may not yeah. they may not know half of the stuff you just threw out but they're curious enough to go do that research and i am i am eagerly awaiting with bated breath this next book by you so that so that i can help other people because i seem to be this person who many galactic kind of people find or gravitate to and then i somehow help them Learn more. I don't like to place thought forms in anybody's anybody's brain or, you know, I don't want to change anybody's view or opinion. I just like to be a safe place for them to land when they are exploring. Yes. And, and yes. I do feel that you and I have talked about wearing the badge of an interplanetary peace ambassador. And that landed with me when I heard that in a meditation that that many of us are here to be interplanetary peace ambassadors. But in order to be that, 
we have to first go all the way back to finding peace within ourselves, within our families, within sure. our communities, here on Earth, and then go go all the way out into the cosmos, into the universe. So it's an exciting time to be alive. And what you're talking about is giving us a lot of food for thought, especially now. What do you think about what is going on now? Are you um, comfortable talking about your beliefs or your opinions? And feel free to share. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to go into uh, COVID nineteen or the social unrest or anything of that nature. My job here is very clear: is to disseminate spiritual information for people who are looking for it. So, so do so, you do you believe? See, see, because I think you're getting to what I'm getting at. Do you believe that all of this stuff that is happening? on the earth right now, in the world right now, is really an impetus to get us all to look further within and to do our work rather than pointing fingers, blaming, judging, being on all sides of the coin. Yeah. Well, it it brings people together, right? I mean, all of this brings people together. And whether there were nefarious things that happened with, COVID-19 or not, um, what does history show us? It always backfires. Right. And good prevails. So um, I would just say that I think that it is making everyone come together um, and, uh, you know, and I think people will start searching more because really there's only one other place to go and that's up literally into our Milky Way galaxy and beyond. And once that starts, right, we already had NASA release the little, the little nibble on um, 36 races. We had um, the military release the Tic Tac Right. We have um, all the people who were in giant positions create to the stars to bring about extraterrestrial information into the world. Right. Mm -hmm. Because the government can't do it. Right. So but. I would just say that, you know, things are going to start getting released out there a little bit more and a little bit more. And when things start to shift and turn around, you know, um, this book will be a sort of Bible for people to look and go, okay, those are the good guys. Those are the bad guys. This and, is, and, and do you, you know, these do you, are the neutrals. But do you feel that there are all good guys and all bad guys in each one of these races? Or like you and I talked about on the phone? No, 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 not at all. There's, the, there's always, even in a fully conscious thing, race, like let's say if they're living on a planet, right? Those beings there will be fully conscious. But if offshoots of that race thoughts degenerate they they're no longer a part of it they leave that society because they can't they can't be in it uh because it does mental things to them so they leave 
and then their thoughts can degenerate, and then they go off and they start their own little offshoot. So there's always renegade races. There's always um, different factions, just like we have here on Earth. You know, and everyone says, so how do I know if it's a good being or a bad being? Well, what does your heart say when you're looking at it? Mm. Or when you you're know, when you're feeling I, the energy of it, because when you're feeling, yeah, one one of the people I met, this beautiful being, I think her name was uh, Anelia. You would remember her, Craig. I um, Benez or something like that. She was at a Portal to Ascension conference where I met Cynthia Crawford, the hybrid you were talking right. about. She who was a beautiful yeah. woman. And this this other woman was there, and God, I wish I could remember her name. And Nelia, I think, is her name. But one of the things that she said was that here she's been being contacted by these other races, and they're speaking with her, and she's getting all this information. And she kept demanding that they show themselves to her. She kept saying, "I want to see you. I want to see you. I, you know, I hear you. I, I, you've talked to me my whole life, or whatever. I want to see you." And they kept telling her, "You won't be able to handle seeing us because you will go into fear. You've been programmed to fear that which does not look like you." And right. she kept hounding them and hounding them and hounding them. And I guess one, and she said, okay, just show up one day, not when I'm not expecting it or something like that. And I guess they, something happened one day where they like briefly appeared. She, she freaked out, you know, screamed. And then later on, they said to her, see, we told you. And Eric, wouldn't right. you, wouldn't you agree when we saw the movie, that movie you just went and saw again, it feels very octopusy. What's Arrival. It? Arrival. Arrival. Th- th- those yeah, beings, such a great movie. Yeah. I love that movie so much. They're not looking. Me too. And they're not looking exactly like we thought they might look. So, or right. what, or what we've been true. trained to think. So that's that's one of the things that I think is really important when we have this discussion is to be discussing things like getting in touch with what we feel when you when you meet somebody right. on the street the bad guys don't always dress in black and the good guys don't always dress in white but sometimes you can right. feel you know i remember teaching my daughter about that where she she said to me mommy i didn't like the way that man that man felt she like she felt somebody she could feel that he didn't have a good intention and i said how did it make you feel where did it where did you feel it? and she pointed to her stomach to her tummy she said right here and i said never ever ever forget that feeling that's your internal compass that that, right. that tells us when we're in danger and to get out and i think that's another thing that is so important during these times is to really exercise our discernment meter and our internal compass that tells us when we're on the right path or when we're going down a path that may not be so good for us that's so. right that's right yeah well i've seen like i myself you know in the mind internet i've seen um that uh, are uh, what we would deem scary, but their heart and souls are not. So, you know, the first glance, you're like, huh, and then you're like, oh, wow, you're an amazing being. Right. Right. So, um, you know, it just it, it, it just goes to prove that all outer shells are just that until you quickly understand the interior of any being. That's what's so great about 
stepping into being fully conscious because when you're fully conscious, you become telepathic. And when you're telepathic, you not only are sharing, right, your experience, but you are transferring the feelings that you had during that experience into the receiver and they experience it as if they were you and vice versa. That's the key. And this is the, yeah. <laughs> That's and the key so, to how we get through a lot of what we're going through right now is to be able to, right. to see right. into each, to see into each feeling, each, each being's intentions, the, uh, you know, I, I don't like to use the word agenda, but to feel into what somebody's goal is or, or where we're at right. to feel into that. You can, you can feel purity and innocence in a baby, you know, you, yeah that feeling, I, I like to, to really hold on to that feeling, the purity and innocence of a baby, of a little puppy, a dog, before we're preconditioned into anything else to just really tap into that feeling and then know that, you know, many people who have kind of gotten off path throughout their life, maybe that happened through bad experiences during childhood, unhealed wounds, whatever. But we all... I just like to always go back to that source essence, to what we are as a soul. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Eric, Eric's giving me the, the eye that it's time to play another song right now. And okay, we're going to play one more song and then come back with you. It looks like we've got, what, another 20 minutes of our show. So okay. how about if we play the song, We Are All Made of Stars by Moby? Oh, Ooh, I like it. There we go. Okay, so... We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to Awakening Code Radio. And we're talking with Craig Campabasso. So excited, Craig. Thanks for staying with us. You're welcome.
Hi, this is James Redfield, author of Self-Theme Prophecy. Just wanted to say how much fun I had on Awakening Code Radio. I just want all of you to know that this radio show is a real thing. And to the host, I say, keep up the good work. Keep spreading that energy. That's what makes all the difference. Awesome. Thank you, James Redfield. That was that book, The Celestine Prophecy, played a major role for a lot of people in their awakening. I know it did mine. It was probably uh, early 80s, early 90s. I mean, uh, I don't remember exactly. Um, I have solved a, a major mystery, Craig, um, from your yeah. book, Waking Th- Thyron. Am I pronouncing that right? Uh, Tehran. Uh, Tehran. Okay, I have made a major discovery here. I don't know if you're aware of it. There's proof of... <laughs> extraterrestrial life forms walking amongst us right now because a man named Uziel and a woman named Pandasala look pretty much like spitting images of Donald and Melania Trump. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, Craig, I'm telling you, I brought the book in and I had a page highlighted that I wanted to read from your book. Oh and Eric stole the book from me and has been looking at that while I'm carrying on a conversation with you. He's being Mr. Researcher and looking at some of the pictures in your book. Well, oh it, it was first God. it was first the one because uh, Pondasala is actually um, featured in color on the back of the book. And I'm like, that looks a right. lot like Melania Trump. And I was just going to mention that alone. But I kept thumbing through the books and looking through some of the story that you've written and everything else. And then I'm like, holy moly, there's Trump, too. Uh, <laughs> that would explain a lot. <laughs> now, now, you ha- now you have to say. You're never going to see on. them the same again. Did you notice that or what was going on with that? No, they were all these. They were all created back in the nineties. See, you were so, you were looking for yeah. future. You were seeing so, a future timeline. Yeah, but um, yeah, Pandasala does have those cat eyes. Mm-hmm. So, Just yeah, the, almost yeah, the same hair, and I mean, it's pretty. Gorgeous. Cool. Yeah, yeah she's, she's very pretty, but she's not Russian. She's actually vegan. Oh, oh, she's from Vegan, like in the Vegan, like from from the movie Contact. Yes, right, right. She's from (laughs) Vegan. Well, there you go. Oh my god, you cracked me up. (laughs) (laughs) I I am such the funny uh, tightrope walker because I actually gave a presentation today. Uh, There's a collective group here and that emanates out of Orange County called the Inside Edge, and they've had speakers once a week for like the last. 25 years or something like that. It's almost like TED Talks um, for a smaller group, and they had to go online because of, you know, the COVID thing and everything else. And I've gone to a bunch of these right. meetings. I finally got invited to um, to speak at the one today. So I was on two hours, and people are following this this program that I, I assembled called Sonic Geometry. It's geometric forms and harmonics and things like that. And you can't – I wasn't looking for – an extraterrestrial aspect of this story as the information was coming through to me, but you cannot tell the story without an extraterrestrial aspect. And even as the words come out of my mouth, I, I wonder how it sounds to talk about extraterrestrials in a way that's like, no, we're not just talking about, you know, a possibility. We're talking about the people that lived at this time are saying 
this is what happened in our experience. Um, this is how certain things were invented that we still use today, from a math system to writing to uh, inventions that we use. And I just wonder what everyone's reaction is at that moment. Like, okay, we just jumped ship, and now we're, you know, totally in in Wooville. And I wonder how much, you know, someone who's written these books like you have and get very specific about, you know, uh, names and places and star systems and planets, the receptivity, has it changed over the years? Has it gotten better? Has it gotten worse? I mean, you know, I'll I'll be honest with you, being in the film business, you know, I wasn't quite sure when the first book actually was released on 11-11-11, and it, I, it just happened that way. It wasn't planned. Hmm. But um, I wasn't sure how people would um, take the book, and actually it was received very well. I only got a few, like, strange emails and, you know, uh, things from people. But uh, overall... The consensus was fantastic, and uh, and now there's four books in the series, so um, so it's it's garnered quite a following, which is really nice, and uh, and all the books are you know I finally got them all on audiobooks because people love audiobooks. So um, yeah, so Eric, you can listen to that on your way to Sedona this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> your audiobooks. That's right. Yeah, and the website's autobiography of unanet.com if they want autographed copies. So, and by the way, the extraterrestrial species almanac is up on Amazon for pre-order. Oh, so we can already pre-order the the book you that we can pre-order it. Yeah, isn't awesome. that amazing? Awesome. Yeah. So the book is finished and it's just in editing now, huh? It's in editing. Uh, the editor uh, just. Uh, did her pass and I just did my pass from her note and so now it's back on her desk and then she will send me one more pass and then it goes into design and then the the warehouse will have crap loads of books on December 1st so I'll uh, you know I'll be doing a big uh, sort of um, you know, campaign and all of that. I've done amazing teaser, uh, teaser and a trailer. So the publisher will start releasing that. Um, they're going to release the teaser in summertime and then release it again in the fall. And then they're going to do the trailer, which is mind blowing, um, on, I think, December 1st. And that's when I'll start doing all the, uh, tons of radio shows. So. I'll come back if you want me to. So, oh, of course, um, of course, you know, and talk, uh, you know, talk some more about it and get into it and all that kind of stuff. So, and also, just like in my autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga book, um, I put a um, a whole thing about the Galactarian alignment, all the ships terminology, what all the various ships are what they do, what their functions are. And then I also have a terminology of the extraterrestrial world explaining all the other stuff that is talked about so that the reader can uh, go in depth more in their mind to understand these new concepts. I I 
love it. I love it. You are so on the cutting edge of so many things, and it's just normal everyday life for you, except that you're a casting director yeah. in Hollywood. And does, do most people know that you live this whole alternate reality life besides, you know? Most of them don't. That's most what? of them don't. He's totally I, underground. I don't tell them. <laughs> I totally don't tell them, but, you know, look, if you look me up on the Internet, it's there. Right. Um, That kind of thing. But, yeah, I mean, right now I'm casting two movies and going to be directing a video, as I told you the other day. And um, now is this uh, when you say directing a video, is this for what's coming up with uh, Mark Sims? And I do want to I do want to talk a little bit about that. One of the things that I was noticing in your book, uh, the book two of the trilogy, um, Walking, Walking Theron, in the beginning of the. Do I say, did I, uh, look at that, I didn't have my glasses on, I'm sorry, Waking (laughs) Waking Tehran, and I said Tehran, I gotta get used to this Tehran. Most people call him Theron or Thyron, Thyron, I called him Thyron, yeah, Tehran, Tehran, the the H is silent. Tehran, yeah. We gotta remember that, like the Integratron. You know how you remember Tehran. It's like, think of to run, Tehran. To run, to run. To run. Got so it. So think of the word to and then run. To run. To run. And, and the funny thing is, yeah. I swore to myself I was going to get it right because I heard you say it on the last show. And and I'm, I'm frantically trying to find the page that I wanted to talk about as we're getting ready to set up this video project you're working on because we are we are looking to have our next guest on the show talking about this. But I I opened Waking Tehran and I opened it to page 47 and it talked about Earthman joining friends in Sedona, Arizona, where Eric is heading to, I think tonight or tomorrow. Oh my God. And I was, and I was just there. I was just there on um, Memorial weekend. So there's a lot happening with the Sedona energy, the Mount Shasta energy. Eric's heading to Sedona and I'm heading North, but we're both going to be out in nature during this very pivotal. It feels Summer solstice and isn't there's an eclipse going on as well. A lot of lot of energy here, right. but but on this page it says August 1987, Earthman joined friends at Sedona, Arizona at the Harmonic Convergence. Jose Arguelles created this event that took place in sacred locations all over the globe. An open letter from Jose invited anyone willing to participate. A brief ex- excerpt. Beginning at dawn everywhere on earth on Sunday, August 16th, 1987, 144,000 humans are being called upon to create a complete field of trust by surrendering themselves to the planet and to the higher galactic intelligences which guide and monitor the planet. At that time and continuing through Monday, August 17th, the higher galactic intelligences will be transmitting a collective planetary vision as well as messages of personal destiny to and through these people, the rainbow humans. And I thought, wow, isn't that interesting? I forgot that that was in the book. And now here we go again with this project you're working on. Can you set it up a little bit about how you were contacted and what this is about? Sure. Well, Mark Sims is doing the Harmonic Convergence. 2020 
Um, and I'm just trying to see what the I, website is. Do you have the website there? I I'm don't. Just, I, I, I should it. because I know we're talking about it. They're, uh, they're, yeah. they're, they're collaborating with Unify, and this is going to be yes. a whole program from, I think, July 4th or 5th through the 14th. From July 5th through, and um, actually, I think on July 1st, Jupiter aligns with Mars. On July 1st. And peace will follow the planet, and love will fill the stars. Was that the word? Did I say it right? From the age of Aquarius? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so um, that's actually happening on July 1st. So I think that's why he did it. I will be one of the speakers. I'm going to be speaking on uh, Stranger at the Pentagon, Dr. Frank Stranges, and Dalian Thor. And um, uh, and there's going to be, you know, a big roster uh, of people as well. And um, I can't believe I can't find the website. Um, but they're on Facebook, Harmonic Convergence 2020. So if anybody wants to go uh, look, um, it should be there. And it's interesting that uh, I've read, I wrote a book about the uh, end of the Mayan calendar in 2012, but I have been surprised to see that there is uh, kind of a theory with a lot of people that the actual end of the Mayan calendar due to miscalculations in the Julian calendar overlay and whatnot is actually this weekend, the summer solstice of 2020. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. Actually, the website is mark, M-A-R-K, Sims, S-I-M-S dot com. So that's the universal consciousness development going beyond world peace. Yes, and we're I'm, we're trying to get Mark Sims on the show next week, Eric. Maura Hoffman has been working with Mark Sims and Leroy West to put on this big production, and we're super excited about it. And I yeah. am, I'm really I'm thrilled to hear that you are doing this, Craig. And thank you so much for taking this time with us today. It's been such a joy. I, I Every time I'm around you or, or any of that, I just feel, <laughs> I just get giddy. I feel myself giddy because I know that my soul knows you at, at the deepest, deepest level. And I just appreciate and, and love you so much. So thank you for being oh, on the show. I love you so much too. I know I feel the same way. It's like, all of us, you know, it's like you just know your soul family. You see it, you feel it, and you're you're there with them for life oh. until the next life. And we'll just hold the, <laughs> you know, just hold the vision that everything is for the greater good. I mean, that's the vision we want to hold yeah. on to right now, that all for a purpose, all for, you know, the, the very word, the great apocalypse, means the great revealing. And who knows what you know our ancestors had in mind as they were writing these things using the word apocalypse but i think there's right. there's a very good chance that what we are living through right now could be called the great revealing where the curtains the veil it, you know drops or thins it could. <laughs> this could all be it it could we have it could a, be and it could yes <laughs> you go ahead and finish no i'm just going to say it could be an apocalypse in consciousness 
There you go. That's a perfect way to, yeah, to, to let's hold yeah. that thought. An apocalypse of consciousness, a great revealing. Yeah. We're going to go out with yeah. a song by Blink 182 that was uh, suggested by a listener. I'm sure it's a little drivier than what we usually play, but the title is called Aliens Exist. So we're going to see yeah, what they, they, they called in to let us know. And we usually don't answer the phone here in this when we're trying to do the show, but. Yeah, I mm-hmm. I had planned on playing the Sesame Street. If you remember that, I'd play. I'd planned on playing "Someday Children" by Susan of Sesame Street. If you go back to our childhood, but now we're gonna have a really driving. We're version gonna drive. Blink One Eighty Two. Aliens exist. Aliens exist. <laughs> well, we had to stay in the theme. Thank you so much, Craig. Listener, we'll Thanks, see you back Craig. in a week. Welcome. Be good humans. Bye. Admin Colleen, and you're listening to Awakening Code Radio. You can find Awakening Code Radio on iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. This is Eric Rankin and Michelle Anderson from Awakening Code Radio, right here on KXFM. We'd like to invite you to join a conversation to raise the vibration. Broadcasting live every Tuesday night from 8 to 10 p.m., we cover all aspects of the process of awakening, whether it's emotional or spiritual growth. And have hosted such luminaries as Deepak Chopra, Marianne Williamson, James Redfield, and many others. With a global audience, our show is one of the most listened to programs here at KXFM. And we would love for you to join the conversation. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.